for July 3rd, 2023. It's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 783. Will she or won't she launch a cruise missile? Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are like a league of sovereign, independent states uh, held together by a web of favors and a web of, of goodwill. And sometimes, maybe, just maybe, that uh, that web would uh, hold. I'm Matt Rather. I'm the ambassador from the land of California, the bleeding edge. I'm joined by my two uh Two colleagues and uh, my opposite numbers, uh, Pete Fenzel of New Jersey. Pete, how do I smell? <laughs> how do I smell? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, that's from the show. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. Actual line of dialogue thought, from the show. Yep. This is you being you. You smell like you always do, Matt. <laughs> oh, God, that's not like, good. Like cloves and a little bit of incense and... Uh, and and marmalade, interestingly enough, <laughs> that's, that's orange I mean, marmalade and cloves. That's either uh, you know that's either uh, you know just my my incredible natural scent, or else you're having a stroke. And from New York, <laughs> the gentleman from New York, Mr. Mark Lee. Uh, Mark, how do I smell? Um, uh, like fear. It's Matt, not like fear. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The actual the actual was, response in the show is like is along the lines of not great, Bob. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, I'm sorry, you were saying like like uh, like fear. Well, I'm I'm feared to to face you two formidable gentlemen as uh, as my opponents. Look, like we uh, promised last week, we are going to talk about the Netflix series The Diplomat, uh, starring Carrie Russell as the titular diplomat. Mark, you got us into this show, so why don't you why don't you uh, you know uh, just uh, give us a little uh, a little kind of snapshot of how you came you know how you came across it. Was it just scrolling on netflix was it uh something else what drew you to it and then uh set, set the table for us in terms of just a, a plot plot uh plot synopsis for us and all all spoilers all books for the diplomat yeah and, so and there this is the show you want to watch so go watch it we gave you advance warning even yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- this, there is yeah, a exactly. big plot twist there's a lot of plot and there's yeah. a big plot twist and it's it's one where yeah the things that happened like watching them week to week to I, week to week <laughs> what am i a, an, an old no watching them hour to hour uh as we gulped this down the the gullet uh was um you know that that was an important part of the thing it kind of matters we we let you know when it doesn't matter but don't get spoiled go watch the show and then come come back and listen to us mark can you set the yeah. uh set the table for us Sure. So longtime listeners of this podcast will remember that um, my threshold for watching and sticking to a TV show is pretty damn high. Like uh, between my, my wife and me, um, You're there a quitter. are lots. I'm a quitter. I'm absolutely a quitter. There's a whole wreckage of pilots that we have watched and shows that we have dropped. Um, but this was so we we tried this on the strength of by and large of the cast. Right. Carrie Russell, Rufus Sewell, we're fans of their work and all sorts of different things. Um, and also, like, our eyebrows were certainly raised by the fact that the Prime Minister of the UK um, is played by the same actor who played the Prime Minister of the UK in a certain episode of Black Mirror. With spoilers <laughs> for that one, he has sexual intercourse with a pig. That happened. Um, Not so in this show, in the other show. Not in, in the, the other show. In Black yes. Mirror. He does, other, he does other unspeakable things in this show, which we'll come talk about in just a second. Anyway, we're drawn by the cast of that. Um, you know, we, we, we start the show... 
Um, and, you know, like I'm prepared to fall asleep or scroll on my phone and just like give up on it, to be honest. And then like the writing and the performances just like absolutely uh, capture the attention and, fa- and, and and refuse to let go. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we can't quite binge television these days, but we, you know, got through the eight episodes as, as quickly as we could. And I was very excited to talk about it. I was a little bit frustrated by the ending, which we'll talk about as well. But here's the gist of it in case you're still with us and, you know, you don't plan on watching the show and you want to participate in the conversation. Right. The titular diplomat is uh, played by Carrie Russell. Um, she's at the last minute and reluctantly assigned as the diplomat, um, the U.S. ambassador to the United Kingdom. Um, she doesn't want this job. It thinks it's too ceremonial. She wants to, like, you know, do real uh, public service work in the Foreign Service and all this kind of stuff. Her husband is a uh, is a also a former diplomat, uh, very much a hotshot. Their marriage is very much on the rocks, and they're on their way to divorce. She shows up in the UK. A international crisis quickly mounts when a British aircraft carrier is attacked near Iran. Everyone thinks it's Iran. She did lots of shenanigans ensue, lots of back and forth of relationship. Um, and there's a big mystery over the whole, um, the main plot of the show, the international intrigue, uh, which is that who actually attacked the carrier. They think it's the Russians. They think that it's this uh, Russian mercenary, which is uh, very much modeled after the Wagner, the Wagner, Wagner group um, in real life, but it's not actually them. And then at the very end, it's revealed, dun, 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 it was the prime minister who hired the Russian uh, mercenaries to attack his own aircraft carrier for domestic political reasons. And at that instance, a car bomb goes off and end credits for season one. That is the main thrust of the show. There's a lot more uh, a plot that, that we'll, we'll probably cover as we go. Um, but the main question to kind of start this off, the main topic uh, uh, for discussion is the show is called The Diplomat. Presumably, it is about diplomacy. It is very much about diplomacy. Um, but the question for you all is, like, what does this show have to say about being a diplomat and being diplomatic and the art of diplomacy? I think it has a lot to say. I don't know, Pete, like, you probably have some thoughts on this. What do you want yeah. to sound off? Yeah, sure. So some of the stuff the show has to say about diplomacy is woven into the – Oh, almost, almost. I won't say too neat, but one of the reasons we talked about the sh- the world building last week is that this show is able to go very light on world building in part yeah. because so much is invested in the, the also the things you already know about politics the, uh, from the present day, but also the personal relationships. And there are tons of mirrors and and uh, and echoes of the personal relationships in the political relationships, which I think combines to present a thesis of diplomacy as an engagement between two groups of people that stands between a place of total peace and a, an alignment and agreement, and then a place of total separation of war, of, you know, utter conflict of divorce. And the different relationships in the show are in different states of being either together or apart, sort of in intermediate places between togetherness and apartness, whether they are the relationship between the United States and the United Kingdom, the relationship between Russia and the Russian mercenaries, which, of course, in the intervening weeks has been given extra pepper, the relationship between the United States and Iran, not totally unable to constructively deal with each other, right? So diplomacy can be very much on the fringe, right, where everything looks like it's going bad, and you still 
are able to have one kind of productive conversation, right? You might have one sort of last resort. And this is represented in the character of, you know, Rufus Sewell's character of, of the husband, who is holding on to this like last hope that he'll be able to stay married to his wife, Carrie Russell, and is also an advocate for negotiating with terrorists, making like last minute urgent deals with people you wouldn't always t- uh, otherwise talk to, and sort of making that last phone call that you don't think that you should make. Right. And also has all this ulteriority where he's trying to angle for his next big job in government. Yes, yes, exactly. So it's sort of like there's this it's not it's not a universal praise. That's one of the things that you might have guessed about a show called The Diplomat is that it would come away with praise for diplomacy versus violence. That is not how this show is operating. This is not a show about the importance of keeping the peace as opposed to war and sort of the importance of peacekeepers. This isn't like a zero dark 30 show where there's someone trying to tell everybody not to go kill Osama bin Laden, right? Like, like, yes, if there's a war, everybody loses, but the energy of the show is in the different ways that people stand between the extremes of togetherness and apartness, both on a large scale and on a small scale and how they relate to each other. Um, to, to give you an, a more, an even more detailed and specific relationship between these different levels at the beginning of the show, our diplomat, Kerry Russell, is headed to Afghanistan to accept a position in Kabul as an ambassador there. And it is part of the deal that once she gets there, her husband is going to stay for a little bit, but then leave. And that will be the end of her marriage. We also learn later that the people that she's most concerned about working with in Afghanistan are almost exclusively women. And they're women who are treated terribly, of course. And we find that because this show does, you know, talk about recent current events, it talks about the Taliban reestablishing control in Afghanistan and the cost to people who worked with uh, Americans and Westerners generally, but then also especially to women who might have been educated or professional and then related to various sorts of international efforts who are resorted, you know, basically to a sort of domestic domestic captivity and stripped of things like phones and just independence entirely. And so if not, I mean, if not worse, like she talks about one or two being like, you know, hey, you know, we haven't heard from this one in in weeks, but we we hope she's alive. Right. Yes, exactly. And so like so we have this situation where we have I, I would say that it's it is charged with gender in many ways where we have this woman who is trying to choose which relationship she wants to be part of and kind of who she wants to support and be with and who she doesn't. And she doesn't want to be with her husband anymore because she's sick and tired of his nonsense. And because, you know, his world, she's been sort of his second in command, kind of his servant. And she wants to flip the script and he's promised to support her. Right. And so, but she's going to move from this space uh, of kind of uh, women as, you know, uh, compliments to men Right. A sort of women in a natural state of of a kind of dyad. Right. uh, Into a space where it's women helping women. And then this is prevented by the powerful gravity of the dyad in several respects. Right. She is pulled into the dyad of the United States and the United Kingdom. She is which is a sort of special relationship. Right. Pulled into the dyad of the presidency and the vice presidency. Right. 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 Because she's being considered for uh, vice presidency of the United States because the president is going to have a divorce from his vice president. And of course, his vice president is a woman and she's you know, she's been involved in a scandal and she's probably going to have to resign. Although and the, now, who knows? And the scandal involves her husband, right? So she's yes. kind of yoked to her husband's right. mismanagement of some like grant money or something like yes. that. Yes. 
So like the president and the vice president are husband and wife. The vice president and her husband are husband and wife. You know, the Kerry Russell and the president are husband and wife. Kerry Russell and Rufus Sewell are wife and husband, are husband and wife in the opposite direction. Rufus, well, Rufus Sewell yeah. and the secretary of state are divorced, right? Yes, uh, yes, yes, you yes, know, yes. That is to say that one of the problems, one of the kind of like sources of tension throughout is that the the actual secretary of state doesn't like Carrie Russell's wife and tries to undermine her at the outset until she actually learns. I, I, I was thinking about the Princess Diaries, Pete. I was thinking about okay, the, the, sure. the profound film, <laughs> The Princess Diaries. I was thinking Diaries. about the Princess Diaries today because they were mentioned in the episode of Ted Lasso I watched today, but we got to save that until I finish the season. Oh, oh yeah, on. absolutely. But that, that like... Uh, uh, you know, you have Mia Thermopolis, right? And she doesn't, she's like, she's a serious nerd, nerdy kid, you know, like she has no time for all of this uh, cotillion type of stuff, si- sipping your tea with your, uh, with your pinky out, right? And, and she actually has to learn to master, uh, those things, right? Like Carrie Russell's apotheosis in this show is when she, she puts on the red dress, you know, and she descends the stairs under the, the, the grand pyramid in the Louvre, like in that, down that spiral staircase in the, you know, in the red dress. So it's, I mean, it's, it's sort of interesting. It's interesting. This is not exactly the direction you were going in, but it's, it's interesting the relationship to sort of, uh, domesticity or mm, more like, uh, you know, uh, more uh, objectified sort of female sexual roles, like as as she kind of masters that world a little bit, like with the photo shoot for British Vogue, you know, or at the end, which, which is like thing. a false start for that apo- uh, false apotheosis, right? Exactly. Or, but it also like it's a first step, right? Because yeah, it's yeah, what it's false. what makes her unfireable, at least in the kind of the politics right. of the the fictional politics of the show. Like as she embraces those things, she actually, you know. M- leverages those things into into more you know uh what we might call harder power um though though perhaps that's infelicitous pete i i uh took you off i took you off your track right well it would be unfortunate to be infelicitous in a show about with carrie russell that's <laughs> for sure. although you didn't even mention i mean there's all sorts of recent podcast references here because of course what's on the top of that staircase the only place in the louvre where matt rather sits okay to take pictures which is the winged victory of Samothrace. Yes. Right, so. But that's, no, she's, we, we were actually, this was funny having just been there like, like yeah. a couple weeks ago and seeing it. It's like, those things are nowhere near each other. That's a 30 minute <laughs> walk from the, from the kind of the central plaza, the like the underground, the Grand Pyramid to the, to the wing where that, 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 in all the antiquities where all the, the statues and that big grand staircase that I love so much. Like that's, uh, you know, um, that's like a, a, and that's, you know, she made that walk in those heels. Come on. Yeah, they definitely portrayed the Louvre not as the circuitous route that we discussed in our Louvre cast recently, uh, but but as a much more centrally oriented place. Uh, but at any rate, uh, yes, the this this notion that there's c- constructive engagement is a, is a term that comes to mind that you would enter into these relationships without fully submitting to them. Right. You enter into the relationships with a power of your own. And the reason that you do it is because uh, you accomplish important things while you're doing it. Right. Th- stuff is at stake in relationships with people and more just than like Dr. McDreamy and Dr. McSteamy stuff, uh, which there is a bit of in this show. You know, this is at the creator is a Gray's Anatomy alumnus as well as a Homeland alumnus or alumna. Also West Wing rather. alumnus. Yeah, yeah, West Wing. You know, if you know any of like any of those uh, shows, and she actually, so she's she's interesting um, in that she was in the Aaron Sorkin era where the writing staff like sat around. 
and they, I mean, I guess they broke stories or whatever, but Aaron Sorkin wrote all the teleplays. And, and then, uh, then she stayed with the show and ended up writing some like memorable later episodes, uh, episodes of the show. So it's, it's interesting that she, she bridged the Sorkin and post Sorkin. Uh, things, but yeah, it did. It did, it did seem like an incredible pedigree to to write this particular show, right? Between oh yeah, between the West Wing, Greys, and um and Homeland, yeah, yeah. And we talked about. I mean, we talked a little bit in the back channel about the, even the the casting directors like cast Christian Bale as Batman and Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, right? And like did all this crazy. Look up the casting directors for this show and see the other things that they've worked on. This is a show that's very well cast. And I'm not just saying that because Alion is awesome. Uh, and and we, we've many, many years ago crossed paths uh, at school. But um, there's there's another example, right? The, I would the attribute of- I would attribute her success as an actress to her early contact with you, Pete. And no, that, yeah, like, clearly, obviously, clearly. yes. Yeah, See, clear- what, this is really a show about how important it is for men to take credit for women's talent <laughs> <laughs> for the accomplishments of women. That's, yes, uh, that's really what the show is really talking about. Uh, <laughs> so or you, you know, talk about their, their, her relationship, her character's relationship, right? Is that where you're going with that? Pete? Well, yeah, I was going to say that it's interesting that she's the intelligence officer. And so whereas Carrie Russell is, I would I would say naive. Carrie Russell is naive about the nature of her marriage in the context of the world of the show. She thinks that she can just walk away from her marriage because nothing is at stake in her marriage. Like the marriage is over. She doesn't like the guy. She doesn't want to be around him anymore. And then she realizes that there is all sorts of stuff at stake with regards to her marriage that doesn't really have to do with how she feels. Right. Like about her life and her career and right. uh, and all this possibility that's related to, to international relations. Uh, and so your relationships aren't just your own. And so she starts out very principled but naive about how diplomacy between people functions because she has been well, maybe not naive, but but cynical um, because she has been hardened in the utter failure of uh, of people to uh, constructively relate to each other. That is like the war on terror. Right. Uh, and that's kind of where she cut her teeth. Uh, and she gets to a place where she's now in multiple relationships, probably literally, right? Like that, uh, that in which she has like some role. But on the contrasting side, you have Alion's character, who is uh, who's the intelligence officer, who's in this relationship where she's very savvy about what's going on in any given moment. And is like playing that very contemporary dating type game of like, you know, well, what are we calling each other? And and you said that we were going to do this. But then, you know, when when I was going to go to Cairo, you weren't going to come with me. But now you're asking me that to stay in, in London, but you're going to leave and go to the United States. Like, what's going on here? And there's this interrogation of the nature of her relationship, which, of course, intertwines with both the, you know, interagency uh, conflict that's happening, the sort of, you know, the, the sort of uh, push-pull between different parts of the federal government that's yeah, happening. Yeah, let's just take a few yeah. additional dyads, right? Yeah. CIA, Department of State. Yep, right? yep, yep. Um, uh, 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 Allianz's character, right? The the, the the station spy, whatever, the, the, the local spy in the station, and she's in that secret relationship with um, Stuart, uh, Stuart Hafer, is the name of the character, who is, like, um, basically, like, the right-hand man for, yes, yes, yes. Uh, for the ambassador, yeah. Right. So they're a dyad. And then, of course, you know, that character and the ambassador, they're an additional dyad as well. So she's married to him yes. as well. Like, you know, the, the when, when like when you just met, drop the word dyad, Pete, like it's like, ah, oh, OK, this, yeah. like that's exploded my understanding of the show. And, like, and if you haven't watched the show and you're just listening to this, they're not literally married. Like there's relationships in the show, like as in 
the the State Department uh, attaché to uh, to Kerry Russell, who is, you know, a, a tall, well-dressed man. He was handsome and well-mannered and hangs out with Kerry Russell and is her, it's his job to kind of prepare her for public office uh, and sort of vet her. Uh, they have a relationship that is both domestic and professional because he helps pick her clothes and he right. likes has yep. private conversations with her over breakfast. He kind of has complaints about the way that she eats her breakfast, right? Like the kinds of things that you would have in a domestic relationship, but they're related to his job. So when we say that they're married, what we mean, and they don't have a romantic relationship at all, but they have a domestic relationship. That's one of the other cool things I liked about this show is that it 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 really goes, it really rings the changes on relationships without it always being about like attraction and sex. You know, like what does it mean to really be with somebody? Uh, you know, to to really commit to being with somebody and like living with them and and integrating your professional life with their professional life in a way that like the two are able to work in parallel with one another. You know, your ambitions, their ambitions, your commitments, their commitments. You know, sickness, your and health, smells, and stuff. their smells. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But that's like well, your that's... propensity to want to go to work. You know, their propensity to strip naked and go swimming and while you're at work at your workplace in a way that is detrimental to your career. Well, the the thing like uh, I mean the. <laughs> From the Joe, <laughs> from the. It's a fun uh, show, guys. We like this show. Well, it is, yeah, it is. I mean, the the writing is good. the 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 smell joke is from the beginning, where they like they land in London, and Carrie Russell is like, "Hey, do I need to shower? Or do I need to like clean up?" And she like you know lifts her arm and has uh has uh, Hal has Rufus Sewell uh, sniff her armpit, and it's like who who has not asked their wife, "Do I smell?" <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. but what man among us, you know. Um, um, but that's yeah. I mean the the Pete. It, it's interesting that I I'm reminded of something that that Jordan said once. Overthinker Jordan Stokes said once uh, about TV shows, which is that a lot of shows and he was talking about sitcoms especially. But a lot of shows that start out as workplace shows end up being kind of family shows uh, in the guise of a workplace show. And yep. this, I mean, we're talking about these dyads. We're talking about like relationships. But this, I think, manages to stay a work. You know, a workplace. Uh, show and it's interesting that the the source of the stakes, right? It's it's elegantly done that the source of the stakes are yes things blowing up in the in the real world, but also like uh, also the conversation about um, the the conversation that uh, the CIA chief station and who is never uh, introduced with the cover identity. Everyone's like, yeah, she's yeah. here. She's the the from the from the CIA. I guess like because of this special relationship, the United States and the United Kingdom don't spy on each other, or at least are not supposed to. <laughs> so that that like uh maybe it's maybe you can kind of not be covert if you're the the chief of station. But I don't know if that's a real detail or if that's just sort of in the show. But when when she's talking to um uh, when she's talking to Stuart and is like, wait, when were you going to tell me that you were going to go back to the United States and groom Carrie Russell for the vice presidency? You know, that's that uh, that sort of puts a, a constraint on on the relationship that we've been going through that we've been been having. And I would have liked to know about that. Right. Like there's another source of stakes and it, it happens. It, it happens in the time when uh, when things are blowing uh, like things like cars, you know, are uh, are blowing up. But it it is uh, it is, you know, sort of an sort of an interesting thing that, that the show manages to. Um, keep its focus like or as you say kind of bring the changes on on all kinds of different relationships professional relationships and and how they shade into personal relationships and then you know friendships and romances i mean it's something that like when um 
when I forget who she's giving the the stirring speech to, but when Carrie Russell talks about um what when she talks about the like the fragile web of favors or something like that, right? The fragile web of goodwill that sometimes holds when you throw things at it. Uh and that that like that is the the purpose of diplomacy and that that like uh it's you know and it's conversations like this one, Mr. Ambassador, like this very one we're having right now. Um that uh that whole that that uh those those relationships turn out to have you know that that is the connection i think between the the sort of interpersonal stakes and the 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 global geopolitical or or uh or military stakes of the show but i was taken with it just because the writing is so good right and like you know and 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 i i have to caveat this because i said it in in my honeymoon period with the show in the first you know the first episodes where i was you're just kind of swept swept along with it there is some soapier stuff at the end where like okay it was not it was not like what i the, those aspects maybe were not bad but they were not what i was was going to the show for i was going to it for a lot of smart people talking very fast you know and having to uh having to remember things um you know from uh i I like i like entertainment that asks you to asks you to remember things Stuart lee has a wonderful uh half hour in um in uh uh in Stuart Lee's comedy vehicle where where he says you know a loaded gun is a dangerous weapon and you wouldn't you wouldn't hold one unless you were you were trained but but you you comedy audiences come to a show and you're not prepared to follow the development of an idea and that is just as dangerous uh he says ironically obviously but uh you know uh, I like it when uh, things d- demand that you you pay attention you know and and uh, recall uh, later on, yeah. and the show definitely, uh, definitely does does that. I don't know was was it all Sorkin esque to you, or was I mean what 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 did you guys think about the kind of the style uh, of the writing? It uh, well, the phrase that we were used banding about as preparing for this as that it treats the characters at the quote unquote top of their intelligence, which I think is a really interesting turn of phrase, and I know it's not original to us; it, it comes from different context um i, I think I that's said a good that, way to yeah. describe it yeah and I, it also, I guess it, it to the point it's not just the characters it also treats its audience uh, for the most part, I think at at the top of its at the top of intelligence, right? Like it's it's you, you know assuming you you look at so many things you know and it's you look at so many sort of quote unquote dramas and it it depends on people acting unthinkingly in the absolute worst possible way at a given moment. You know what I mean? Like uh like your your um average uh your average episode of I don't know the night agent or something like that, right? <laughs> the night agent is going to be our archetypical bad yeah. television show forever <laughs> well it's, it's a spy it's a spy show like yeah, i it's a spy you show, know yeah. i don't know and I, I it is hard i i totally acknowledge that it's a hard um genre to hard genre to write but like in this like people are ambivalent people give each other the benefit of the doubt like people are are you know they they live in shades of gray um oh, they are they are laden with ulteriority that's the, the word that i used before uh, that i dropped i think is like really important to understanding this right you know everybody's got you know can't say the thing directly that just go you know uh go or beat around the bush um or they have a hidden agenda that they keep in their back pocket like that's that's it's a lot to keep track of but um it, it's never overwhelming and i think by a large feel satisfying when you kind of like you know the um the thing that they don't say but they mean 
yeah. out from behind a bush. Yeah, it's well, it's exactly that. Like, uh, right, like when when she like Carrie Russell places a comment in like an agriculture speech or something like that back in the United States that is actually a a message to the Iranian, you know, yeah. foreign yeah, foreign. Uh, you know, state, whatever their equivalent of the, the state department, their foreign service like that, that like, this is the, uh, you know, this is the, the kind of, this is the kind of thing. And like, it's all, you know, everyone is assumed to be like good at their jobs and kind of at the top of their game. And, and that's why they're there, uh, with the exception of the politicians for, for obvious reasons who turn out to be like, who turn out to be skilled in other ways, like Rory Kinnear as, as the prime minister, um, every time, you know, I mean, pig effing aside, and right, it's a, it's, it's related to the donkey effing conundrum, the pig effing conundrum, the, <laughs> but like pig effing aside, like when he shows up, yeah, okay, he's a blowhard and like he's, he's obviously kind of a, um, you know, I, he's, he's sort of a stuffed shirt a little bit, but like he's super charismatic, you know, he like tells stories and like it authentically sort of captivates people in a way that's like, oh, yeah, okay, this character is a politician, right? Like, this character could, like, win the goodwill of a, you know, of a populace given the right, you know, circumstances and, and setting and and uh, and things like this. I, I feel like the, the McDreamy McSteamy thing later is not essential to, to what I like the, the most. Um, I like the most about the show and I wish, I wish there were, Sorry, like, are you referring to like Kerry Russell and like, yeah. uh, with the, 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 the attraction with the, uh, with the, yeah, the foreign secretary, his, the, foreign secretary the British yeah, foreign yeah. secretary and, and her husband, um, you know, and, and I mean, maybe, I don't know the, the, the I, well, I get why, why she doesn't want to be married to Rufus Sewell. Like he's, he's, you know, extraordinarily narcissistic and, and, um, yeah, it, it would be hard to be, uh, it would be hard to be in that relationship, right? But that's, I, for me, you know, I don't know. For for me, the kind of the the writing to the top of the intelligence is that's that's what I meant. Like like Pete, it's a term from improv, right? I I might be yeah. mis misusing it, or like I hope it's at least a strong misreading of the term. If I'm if I'm misreading, do you feel like it it uh, applies in this situation? Yeah, totally. I think because when you're playing to the top of your intelligence, it it me by which I mean in the context of the story, right, that's been established in the context of the reality we're, we're working within and in the context of who the characters are, given their points of view, given their perspectives, do they talk and act, uh, you know, with, 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 with intelligence, right, with uh, the capacity to, uh, to make, to act in their own interest, to avoid obvious pitfalls, to remember things, you know, and, and this all adds detail and it builds on the reality that's being constructed and it has consequences. It has practical consequences. So for example, one particular moment that stands out because the show is written and performed so close to the top of everyone's intelligence, even when it's being silly. So I'm saying like there are situations where the show is being silly and the things that are happening are dumb. Uh, but, you know, there's a Pamuk moment, which you got to love a Pamuk moment. <laughs> Every show needs a Pamuk moment. Uh, I'm, of course, talking about when the Iranian foreign minister randomly has a heart attack and dies in the secret meeting he's having with the U.S. ambassador in the in the UN, U.S. U.K. foreign secretary's office, which is a recollection of Downton Abbey's uh, uh, kind of loss of virginity for Lady Mary to the Turkish 
Turkish youth. Was he an ambassador as well? I don't know. He certainly was engaged in diplomacy of one kind or another. But the point being that there are things that happen in the show that are silly, but those are the circumstances. They are not the the choices that the characters make. It's the circumstances that become silly. So because they pay attention to those things, we know that the Iranian foreign secretary died and we saw it. And there's that one moment where Carrie Russell lets slip a detail about his death, namely that he couldn't have been poisoned because he started having symptoms before he drank the tea or ate the cookies right. that she should not know, given that she escaped out the back door and wasn't found present and then like ran around the building and went in the front door. right? And so like uh, and was there shortly thereafter. Right. And so because the show is played to the top of intelligence, there's like a tense like, oh, you know, she feels at risk. Like that, that that moment struck you guys too, right? Where it was yeah, like, oh was wow, good, she made a big one. mistake just there, yeah. right? Um, if nothing that everybody says is remembered, or even not even nothing, if if the characters even make like a few statements that just don't reflect that they're paying attention, or miss you know some big details when they're making decisions about things or reacting to things, if something huge happens and a character just doesn't care, uh, and that should care then moments like that lose their juice real fast, you know, real fast. Because, you know, we all know about the uncanny valley of looking at CGI people. I mean, there are other kinds of uncanny valleys. Our, our brains are always trying to figure out what patterns make sense and what patterns don't make sense and what's real and what's not, you know, what's really a snake and what's a tree branch, like that's that kind of thing. So it's going to tell you if what you're watching is BS. You know, it knows that you're watching The Night Agent before you do. You think the night agent is going to be great? No, I, should, I really shouldn't keep. <laughs> no, really, on the night I agent, really did but. because it was it was uh, overseen by by Sean Ryan of the Shield. Yes, you know? and we love Sean Ryan, and we've given him plenty of positive press over the years. So uh, I feel like we will we would have to crap on the night agent for like ten years straight in order to balance the account with Sean Ryan. So I think he's doing just fine. <laughs> for those who uh, haven't, <laughs> haven't seen the night agents, with again, like I heard you guys. You know, give up on the grief in the previous episode as well. Um, what is another good go-to example for characters who are not written to the top of their intelligence? Another show where characters are not or, or to movie the- or you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, my yeah. my my beloved Gossip Girl. I I have to say oh. is like right where like people sort of willfully misapprehend each other, right? Like and and like take things in uh, take things in a way where it's just like no, come on, you wouldn't like in order to set up conflicts. Like no, come on, that's not that's not a real conflict that would happen. You'd know better than that in that situation. You know, like you're more you're more sophisticated than that at any time when the the kind of sophistication of a character's response to something is out of step with um what they you know what what other details about that character which would lead you to believe you know yeah yeah i'm I'm trying to think about examples where i mean the end of captain falcon and the winter soldier is Mm. not played to the top of everyone's intelligence where captain falcon just like walks in the middle of the street and just starts yelling at people about how immoral they are and it's like and or the part where he like fights the one terrorist in an empty room in the un like and he's cartwheeling and they throw a chair at each other and it's just like come on man like this is not the stakes of what's been happening like like you guys are not like this is not this is not what you should be spending your time on right now if you're really sincerely concerned about the things you say you're concerned about right so like that's a show that that varies a lot from episode to episode as to whether it's being written at the top of its intelligence or not. And of course, the universal excuse is like it was written at the top of its intelligence, but then COVID happened and they had to rewrite everything over the weekend. Right. So like there is parts of it that are very smart and parts of it that are very dumb. Uh, and uh, and so that I think you can feel it. You can feel the difference 
in something like uh, Captain Falcon or the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, where where the, the characters are at the top of the intelligence or where they're not. Um, so yeah. what, I mean, there's there's all sorts of stuff. I, I what I, yeah. I, I want to say right. that like the Price is Right is is at the top of its intelligence and Wheel of Fortune is not, but that's maybe not fair to Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wheel of Fortune, like the care, the, the, they won a million dollars, and Pat Chazak's like, "All right, don't pick that up yet. Okay, pick it up. All right, go over here, go over there." And it's like, dude, like you're not playing to the top of your intelligence here in terms of being aware of what's happening in the game and like relaying to us honest emotional reactions to it. Of course, I think it's more that he just doesn't care after all these years, and that's why he's quitting. But with sure. Ryan Seacrest waiting in the wings, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't hey, want to so- retire and watch that show? What what a genius piece of casting for the host. Yes, yes. I, so I want to talk about casting a little bit more. Yes. Um, this, is, uh, this is also like I think this is related to um, respecting the top of the intelligence of the audience. It's like they went to this trouble to cast in a, this very particular way, right? Um, so uh, beyond what we talked about before, obviously the, the prime minister is a huge piece of meta casting. Carrie Russell's meta casting aspect as well too, right? Because you know she's very strongly associated with another show about spycraft, right? You know the the Americans, um, right? Michael McCain as the American president um, who, you know, is, is strongly associated with lots of comedic roles as well. It could probably go on as like uh, and Rufus Sewell, who, you know, is, is in everything. Right. And it's yeah, just like man this, in the high castle, I think notably. Yeah. He's yeah, like yeah. a literal Nazi. And you kind of wonder, is he a literal Nazi in this show? Cause he wasn't the last one. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not, it's not crazy to think that he might be. <laughs> so you can watch the show and enjoy it and get, you know, pretty much everything out of it without being aware of any of these metacasting aspects, right? But then, like, what what exactly do we gain with the clever metacasting going on here? With with you mean with Carrie Russell's notable background as Felicity, uh, the college student, torn torn uh, between I mean, torn wait, between wait. Noel and um, uh, who's the other guy in Felicity? No, one is named Noel. Uh, and so she's back in a love triangle, and uh, that's clearly what you mean with the the meta casting of Carrie Russell, right? I mean, that all all of the above, Matt, all of the above. Yeah, I mean, if 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 in the new critical style, the beauty of a piece of art comes from the unity that emerges from its ambiguities and contradictions, and the beauty in a formal piece of art can in turn come from the tension between the form to which it aspires. And the details of the specifics that it uh, puts out on the table, it's sort of variations. If the sort of ambiguity, resolution, uh, unity of difference or difference between what you would expect to have happen and what happens is part of what makes art beautiful, then having the president of the United States in this suspenseful show be a a comedic actor playing somebody who B seems like he's kind of a joke, but C also a very heavy duty dramatic actor who D maybe the president isn't joking and E who dies in fantastic fashion in the last show that we saw. Right. So like there's all this in Michael McKeon's, if you see in Michael McKeon's metacasting, there's all these possibilities for the sort of character the president might turn out to be. And they only Mm -hmm. give you little bits of information about him as it goes through the show. Uh, You know, his whole thing about tricking about, oh, like, so there's that moment in the show, another moment played to the top of his intelligence where the president orders a coffee, which he's very specifically not supposed to have because he has heart problems. 
and you think that it means he's going to die, right? Like, oh no, that's what's gonna happen in this show. The president's gonna have a heart attack. The current vice president who's supposed to resign is gonna to ascend to the presidency and then Carrie Russell is gonna become her vice president or is gonna to have to stay in the UK and be a diplomat there forever, which was not why she was supposed to be there in the first place. No, Michael McKeon, the comedic actor, ordered the coffee to freak out his chief of staff, whatever, <laughs> by making them think that he was drinking coffee when in fact he wasn't because he resents uh, the control they exercise over his life and he wants to take them down a peg. And it's right? and, uh, and it, it's wonderful when they burst in, when his yeah. like Secret Service, they burst in and he's sitting there with uh, the Prime Minister and he's like, see, I told you, I told you they'd, they'd bust in on me. Like, <laughs> I told you they'd bust in. Yeah. And so like with Carrie Russell, since she's played both very serious, edgy spy roles and also very light, romantic you know, uh, you know, uh, girl next door roles. I don't know. Is there a better term for it than that? Where it's sort of like the the love interest at the center of the story, the Amelie, right? Like the sort of like, who is she going to be with? What's going to happen to her? Uh, the the uh, the Emma, I suppose. Would you call her a manic um, pixie dream freshman? I mean, I was I always oh no. thought that like I thought that she was in Felicity was elevated. Now I was not a huge Felicity head. It actually coincided exactly with my years attending college, so I I sort of didn't want to watch it. You know, uh, yeah. the the way that no seventeen year old actually wants to read Seventeen magazine. Uh, it's right. for it's for thirteen year olds. <laughs> you know, like so yeah. I, I I watched The West Wing right because I assumed that was my next stop after college when I was in. Uh, uh, when I was an undergraduate, but like, uh, I always thought that what elevated that material above, like, uh, a lot of her, you know, some of her contemporaries in, in film and television was that she was, um, uh, she was pretty grounded. I thought like, a oh, yeah. re- you know, a, a, and, and it turns out like, uh, who, kn- who knows, like when you're, 2021 like whatever she was when they started felicity like who knows whether you're going to be any good really over the long term as an actor but she turned out to be a really good actor oh yeah um you know and that's uh uh, which is great yeah Uh, i guess she's the protagonist right so the thing with the man and pixie dream girl is that they exist for the betterment of other people that's a good point so but she's in the center of the story so i don't know there there's there's got to be a term that i just am blanking on for a romantic heroine right who is torn between different suitors. I mean, you could call her the Katniss, but that kind of dates the trend too late, right? Uh, Where, like, I'm the protagonist, I have real-world problems, and my various suitors are the ones who exist in the context of my life. Yeah, sure. I mean, right? it's a trope and, from it's a trope from Jane Austen, right? Like, yeah, that's what at, I was thinking. At, at least, least like, like Emma you know. or like uh, sense of sensibility or something. And so, like, that's and is it going to be that kind of story where it's like, oh, she, which relationship is she going to end up with? And is will she or won't she? Right. But at the same time, it's like, will she or won't she launch a cruise missile versus like, <laughs> will, she or, will she or won't she like have a coffee in Paris with this uh, you know handsome handsome bald gentleman, right? Um, and, and whatnot. So she and her meta casting, uh, which she, of course is also with both of them, it's backed up by performance skill. They're both so good at these different styles, but it's like, you don't know exactly what style they're playing at any given time. Uh, and so that adds a sense of suspense and drama and ambiguity that can resolve into sort of beauty and, uh, an interest and sort of compelling artistic, uh, I mean, you could say value, you could say merit, but you know, posy maybe um that that it all combines into that's a good um, i mean that's a good answer to to mark's original question which is kind of like what is the meta casting 
net you. And it nets you, I think, more interest as a, you know, moment to moment watching the show because you, you know that these people kind of have these capacities or associations as actors, right? Like because mm-hmm. of their associations with other projects and and those things exist when you've seen someone do it even if you know even if you're invested in a different fictional universe those things exist as potentials you know what i mean like yeah. uh uh carrie russell's kind of like guileless innocence as felicity like exists as a potential um the or the the you know hard-edged uh you know deception and and spying and lying like exists as a uh, as a potential and so it, it can kind of create um it creates uh intelligence i mean you know the the master stroke move right would have been uh to have um austin the the uh what's his name dennison the foreign secretary uh keep uh, on his farm some like livestock and when the prime minister shows up unbidden like a, a pig just walks across the uh walks across mm. the frame well they, they might they might say that for season two <laughs> yeah. well, spe- okay so speaking of season two like the the thing that we discover at the end is that we suspect very much that uh the ori- the inciting incident for this whole thing the the attack on a british ship uh, orchestrated by a russian mercenary um was done at the behest of the prime minister himself in a kind of false flag operation right, right and right. that there is some like there's some member of parliament kind of backbencher or whoever going to going to give rufus sewell this uh this intel and then um it it gets messed up by the they don't want him they don't want Hal like doing things especially since he has recently seemed to kind of like pitch himself for secretary of state uh because it is implied that the secretary of state is going to get fired by trying to like launch a campaign for for president on on the DL um and uh you know but then this this messes up and causes the the member of parliament to get blowed up in the thing this is the uh, you know this is the the cliffhanger at the um at the yep. very end right like so you know i don't know is this like it th- this is you know i i don't know the the hms whatever was an inside job i guess uh at least that's what's uh that's what's heavily implied um and i you know i this this it strikes me as it strikes me as sort of a different show that they're setting up in uh in in season two from from season one yeah and you're, you're leaving out two other uh major uh, plot points there at the end right where it's ambiguous as to who survives the car bombing right because oh, sure. um you know the right hand man from state and then also rufus sewell show up uh, as the car bomb is going off yeah but they're, then they're all gonna Harry be russell and and dennison the foreign secretary um, they are the, the the police show up to basically to arrest them or, or to, apprehend, to apprehend them. I thought that right? was that also. I believe that also happened in the show, right? I thought that so was right. because because of the you know the police response was because of the car bomb. I thought they were playing fast and loose with the time a little bit. The car bomb went off, and so it's like no, pull them, like get their protection on them right now. I didn't get a sense that they were being that they were being apprehended. Okay. Or, or, or now that you describe it, yeah, probably. Or at least it was it was ambiguous. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna bet like I'll uh, here I'll. I'll bet you uh what? I'll bet you one spot of tea 
at a crumpet. I'll bet you tea and crumpets that uh, everyone was far enough back from the from the car bomb. The uh, the MP was the only one who got blown up when his uh, when his car exploded. Uh, Hal's fine, you know, maybe a little dinged up. And uh, Stuart and the uh, the aide, who what, what was the what, who was the other aide? Ronnie um, was the other aide. Are are fine. Everyone's fine. Maybe they got maybe they got knocked over. Maybe they fell fell down and suffered mild bruising to their uh, you know uh, to their legs or something like that. But that's that's what's going to happen next year. I be, I bet you some crumpets. I don't know, Pete. You want to you want to take that yeah, action? I'll, I'll, I'll bet you some crumpets because this is really a brilliant cliffhanger because they could change what they're going to do like three weeks before the season starts. Sure, if they really wanted to. So here's my bet. I think the female staffer gets killed in the blast. I think the MP is killed. I think the female staffer is killed. I think that the the uh, attache um, is badly injured uh, and that um, that Rufus Sewell uh, is also badly injured and that the two of them end up at the hospital at the same time with Carrie Russell visiting both of them and kind of each of them hoping that they get her attention. (laughs) Um, And I think that Carrie Russell holds Rufus Sewell responsible for the death of her staffer in much the same way that she's going to hold uh, this whole political nonsense responsible for the death of her friends in Afghanistan. And I think that uh, also her attache is going to hold himself responsible for the death of the staffer and um, is going to and that's going to be a source of conflict between him and Kara Russell and between him and Ali on. And I think that the way this will go forward is it will still be like Kara Russell will, will go into uh, into the meetings and the diplomacy with a greater degree of contempt. Uh, for all of the people involved, but that she will be willing to do things to please them in order to manipulate them to do what she needs them to do, uh, um, even if she hates them more for the things that they've been doing, such as like appeasing the prime minister's van- vanity by proposing things to him that would still make him happy, even if he still wants this false flag thing and like to stop the independence of Scotland and whatnot. So that's my bet. I would bet. I would bet several English muffins for that one. So, while we're on, while we're muffins. making predictions, do you think that she will eventually become the vice president? No, I, I think I, the, I think the vice. I think the president will die, and the vice president will become president before she resigns. And Carrie Russell, being one of the six or seven people who knows, will uh, have things at stake. Um, I think maybe all the people who know will at some point be brought into a room. Uh, and might be dealt with. But we'll it was see. given the the White House chief of staff made it seem like the the scandal was going to to come out. But I I think so. I think they'll get rid of as you know uh, un unseen as yet unseen vice president, but bring in a new vice president who then becomes president in the manner that Pete describes. And given the suspicions about the prime minister and this like false flag operation, Kerry Russell now has to say, you're too important. You're too important to us in London as the ambassador to the court of St. James's, uh, you know, and so, you know, new, new vice, no new VP TBD will become POTUS TBD. Uh, mm. and that, you know, and, and she'll have a different kind of opposite number to, uh, to, to deal with in, uh, in Washington. I like that. I, I still think I, I still, I, so, so one, one package of Thomas's English muffins is, is, yes, yes. I feel like is what we're, uh, winner picks the flavor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, I, Pete, it's English cuisine. There's only one flavor bland. Ah. <laughs> James Bland. So, well, okay, so Laura, I, I don't think this is going to happen. Do you have a I prediction, think, Mark? Okay, I don't think, I, I don't think she's going to become the vice president. It would be betrayal of a show that is called The Diplomat. 
to make her become. <laughs> it's not called the vice president. <laughs> <Not called>. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a show about that already. And it's on. So it's on Net- um, Netflix. I remember uh, an interview in the in the mid two thousands. The the uh, the noughties, uh with Reed Hoffman uh, as they were like uh, you know just starting their streaming business, and he was like, "Look, we called the company Netflix. We didn't call it DVDs in the mail." And uh, I love I love that they didn't call it the the vice president like that. That's a different show. <laughs> But anyway, so just to make things interesting, right, I will wager that if um, she becomes vice president by the end of this show, um, that somehow uh, you gentlemen will treat me to a Sunday roast, like English style Sunday roast. It's a very difficult thing to the proper Sunday roast to find in, in these United States. I'll but, take um, it. Yeah, I'll take that. I yeah, mean, uh, you sure. know, I'll even, if you know, she becomes vice president. That's the, if she that's becomes the vice president. Yeah. yeah. I, it's so unlikely that I will take that action with, uh, you know, like I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy with, I'm happy with I mean, that. And I'll raise I, the stakes. I'll raise the stakes, anyway. Mark. A, a Sunday roast to be cooked by myself. Uh, I will oh. cook you. I will cook you and serve you a, uh, a proper English Sunday dinner with a roast and, you know, the, the jacket potatoes and the, the, the whole not. York, we're gonna, we're Yorkshire pudding? That. Yorkshire pudding? Can you pull that off? Like I, puff it up however the, the Brits do? I've never done it, but I have a cast You'll iron skillet, so we can uh right. I can definitely I can definitely figure it out. All right. Well well that's good. I feel like we've ended with some we've ended with some some wagers. So unless uh unless some um, someone wants to um give oh, us yeah, some- well, well, well right here at the end, right? We've got to talk a little bit more about the ending. Right, and also the fact that it's a Netflix show. Or do we, how- Mark? No, yeah, d- yeah, Mark. Bring us, bring us home on this. The end of the season, the end of our, the the end of our episode. You were pissed off by the by the cliffhanger. I if if I read if I, I read I'm your less, slacks right, less so now. My reaction in the moment was certainly. I, I believe the utterance that came out of my mouth was either just straight up what or what the f <laughs> when that happened. Um, now again, context, right? I don't watch a ton of serialized drama on TV. And so for some reason, I thought that like I would get um, some reasonable sense of closure out of this first season, um, that something would have gotten wrapped up. And I got very much the opposite, like just loose ends just exploded in my face. And I wasn't happy about that in the moment. Um, in the weeks that have ensued after I saw it, I think I've come to appreciate it more. Um, I think maybe if nothing else, I'm I'm annoyed at the cynical business play here because this is a Netflix show, mm. and um, you know they they what is what is important to Netflix is a good storytelling. Not I mean maybe, but more importantly than that is retaining subscribers. So okay, fine, I'll keep poning up for Netflix because I want to see where this goes. Um, and I'm annoyed about that. I enjoyed the show, but I'm also annoyed at where it left me. That's, that's my reaction. Yeah, I guess I guess for me, you know, yeah, that's for me it is with something like this in the current climate where, you know, shows are just, like whole movies, movies that are done. You know, there was like a Supergirl movie that that was done that just didn't is not getting released by Warner's uh, Bat Batgirl. Batgirl. But yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, a, a techno girl movie, not a super girl movie. But the, the, um, you know, that, that like, uh, yeah, that, that in this, in this environment where like this high volatility among the kind of the creative things that, which is actually what we care about, you know, that, that like, uh, you, you do, I could make the argument that like showrunners owe us some sort of, some sort of satisfaction, right? Some sort of, uh, I demand satisfaction. I demand satisfaction 
pistols at dawn the you know with with every season because of the high likelihood that everything is going to that everything is going to blow up i mean it like it reminds me of it reminds me of being a community fan back in the day and uh you know just what what we went through after after every season and the the departure of of creative uh, behind the camera people departure of on camera people and stuff and is another network going to pick it up and what's going to you know what's going to happen to this to this show that that we loved i just i can't i i i might uh i might suffer the fate of the iranian prime minister if i have to uh uh if i have to endure this anymore i don't know pete bring it bring us home do you are you owed uh, are, uh let me let me ask it uh in the words of russell crowe are you not entertained oh i loved it I respect. I left that with a whole ton of respect. First of all, with slight disappointment because Mark was so mad that I really expe- <laughs> he didn't tell us what he was mad about. But I really expected the end of the season to be total nonsense, right? Like, uh, and it really it isn't nonsense. It's just a total, just a total punt, right? Because it's not like, oh man, can you figure out the mystery? It's not that kind of cliffhanger. It's like literally any number of show changing things might've happened in this moment. And there's no possible way to know which of them it is. So like, you know, guess you'll have to watch, right? Like, um, and I was like, man, you know, I respect that a lot. I respect somebody who's like, guess you're going to have to watch our show. Uh, I respect that this isn't a show that seems to be building a huge coherent held together story. This is a show that is about, Kind of, uh, it, it has story arcs because it, you know, the level of complexity of what they're talking about makes it necessary. But it's it's more about the journey than the destination, right? Like I don't think the diplomat is going to come at the end of this and give you a whole bunch of answers for how to run international relations in a way that is like effective, right? And like improves quality of life, right? Like I don't, I don't think that that's the point. I think the point is living through it uh, in much the same way that like you don't get bonus points for solving marriage. Right. Like, oh, you know, like uh, I married this person and we never have any conflicts with each other anymore. We win. High five. Right? Like that's uh, I guess we go get our plaque now and ride off into the sunset. Like, no, you're it's your life. You know, like your life goes on until it stops. And so so does like your relationships with people. So I, I do kind of like the idea that this isn't a show. It just it felt like something of a burden was lifted for me in that moment where it's like, oh, OK, <laughs> like this isn't a show that's going to like come up to, with some sort of grand conclusion. I mean, it might have a great ending. Who knows? But it's not already angling toward a grand conclusion that's going to claim some sort of mind share in my life that needs to be like interpreted with a great deal of weight. This is a show that operates to an extent from plot point to plot point and scene to scene uh, and, and aims to create and prompt emotional reactions to present you with sort of aesthetic moments and experiences. This is a sort of like art as experience thing where it's like, you're kind of going through it and you're experiencing the show as it happens. And then you're connecting the experiences to each other. Um, But, but those moments are not part of an argument in the grand sense. Like they sort of are, but like, not really not, this isn't Babylon five, right? Like, uh, Um, This is not like it's going to end with a grand pronouncement about the nature of reality. And I feel like uh, if I want a smart entertainment that's for adults that has both interpersonal stuff and political stuff and they want to have like a crazy, you know, Falcon Crest, L.A. Law style cliffhanger hanger ending. (laughs) What's the one? Isn't there another famous TV show where somebody's like, who died? There's one there's one show where the cliffhanger was that was it that somebody just like walked into an empty elevator shaft and died at random like a major character. 
or like uh are you thinking of dallas like, who shot jr or, or who shot mr Stuff burns like, you know they may, they used to know how to do a cliffhanger <laughs> and you know no, what they still no. oh, do come on come on <laughs> greatest season ending cliffhanger ever ever mr wharf fire <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, was that a season ending cliffhanger was it a mid-season yeah. No, it was season oh. ending. It was between what three and four. Oh, I think okay. between three and four, or between four and five. I forget. Um, sorry, I should know that. The the I cut. They're gonna revoke my overthinking card. Listen, uh, let's uh, let's leave it there. Thanks very much for listening, uh, Pete and Mark. Thanks for podcasting. I enjoyed the show, and I, I in our normal fashion, I enjoy it more having uh, spoken about it with you. Uh, we'll be back next week with more Overthinking a Podcast. When I want a serious adult show that's not af- afraid to do some nonsense every now and again, I go to overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture <laughs> to a level of scrutiny it probably, it probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. This is the moment where we send a coded back channel message to our rival podcast. What is it? Ruffles and uh, on the underthinking podcast. Is that right? <laughs> All I'm saying is that there might be a couple of milk bones in the drawer if they know what I mean. <laughs>